another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone. This is what I came for. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. I can feel something. Hear it almost. Don't move. Don't move. Where would I go? Quiet. Here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello, this is Philip Mitchell and you're listening to Trial by Stone. This is episode of the podcast for November 2014. And today we're going to chat all about the recent um, event that happened on October, uh, the Dark Crystal fan event. And um, we have some guests on the show. Um, We have uh, Joey, the the author of the upcoming Dark Crystal uh, prequel novel um, due to be released in 2016, as well as uh, Melissa and Peter, um, both are... fans of the Dark Crystal, um, part of the Dark Crystal fan group on Facebook. So, um, yeah, thank you all for being on the show. Great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. Yeah, likewise. Glad to be here. You know, I mean, let's start off with, um, I guess, with yourself, um, uh, Joey, about um, how, uh, you know, when you came over to the, um, that I think yourself, and I think as well as um, you, you too, um, Peter, on, that you had an opportunity to um to tour the uh, the Jim Henson um, workshop. Yes, indeed. Oh yeah, yeah. We um, Cheryl extended the Cheryl Henson extended the invitation um, for several of us. I believe it was um, a group of us Author Quest people, and then some of the Creature Contest people, and then um, uh, some of the filmmakers um, were all invited to visit the Jim Henson workshop. Um, which was absolutely amazing. Um, it was kind of a la- I don't know, Peter, if you had heard from her prior to that, but it seemed like it was almost like a last minute thing where she was like, Hey, they're all going to be in town. You know, why don't, why don't we bring them over to the workshop? So. Yes. Uh, that actually seemed very much the case. However, I wasn't going to say a darn thing if they're willing to show us through that magical hidden wonderland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and what was like some of the highlights um throughout the tour um that you both um w- went to? Well, um, yeah, I'll let uh, Joy start. I guess we can go back and forth there. <laughs> oh, there's right, so much gonna, to talk gonna, about. <laughs> so much yeah. to talk about. Um. Well, I mean, I, for me, especially as someone who is really interested in behind the scenes stuff, um, I mean, of course, we walk in and there's Elmo, you know, at this reception desk, and there's the Skeksis chair. One of the chairs um, from the set of the Dark Crystal was actually in like kind of the entryway room, and they had put a chair in it so we could actually sit in it, which was extremely cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, so we took pictures, you know, of course, and then. Um, Cheryl took us through just a tour of the workshop. And for me, I mean, I just loved seeing all of the in-progress work. There was, you know, just like building materials all over the place. There were, you know, um, people just working, you know, because it it was work day. So they were (laughs) working, making, you know. um, Maybe maybe I can back you up there, Joey, just a minute. Um, Yeah. Just to give everybody an idea of what it was like just walking in, um, you just go down a nondescript hallway following a sign that said, Jim Henson Company, this way. (laughs) 
And then we walk through a big set of double doors, and there's this beautiful front lobby-like area, kind of like a, a large meeting room with a large table in it. Uh, over to the right was a set of windows and the Skeksis chair. And uh, straight ahead was uh, Elmo and a bunch of other uh, uh, Muppet characters at a beautiful wooden desk. Uh, that was actually, uh, we can get to that later, uh, it was incredible to look at. And uh, on the left was uh, one of the two Snuffleupaguses in yes. New York. Yes. So, plus other characters. And, of course, you know, there are other people there already, and, you know, more arrived. And we're all sort of looking around, stunned at each other, like, wow. And uh, just off to the left was the actual workshop area entrance itself. Um, and uh, at that point, once everybody had arrived, um, both uh, Cheryl Henson and Z Briggs um, showed up and uh, a couple other Henson staff and just sort of filled us in on, on what was going to be happening that day. Yeah. Wow, yeah. It sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's really the start. <laughs> the start yeah, of the magical I mean... afternoon. And, and Peter, you mentioned about, um, uh, was it the, the desk, the workspace desk that you mentioned about? Uh, yes, that was actually um, a front desk. Um, Joey, did you have something to say on that? No, I was just going to say it looked almost like well, it was set up as kind of a pseudo reception desk. Um, I don't know. That was just it. And they had it as, as sort of a display, kind of a photo opportunity type of a thing. But once you got closer to it, you know, it looked kind of almost like a like a just a re normal reception desk. But as you you know leaned in to, to look at the details, you could see that the entire thing was um, I think it was all Muppet. Like, yes, it was. Wasn't definitely. It? Yes. Yeah, and it had like these amazing engravings of Miss Piggy <laughs> and um, all yeah, sorts no, of it characters. Was, yes, it was. Yeah, there it was were, pretty there's cool. actual photos of it on the uh, in the uh, Facebook uh, fan group. Yeah. If anybody's interested, I took some close up photos of it. That turned out fairly well. Uh, I but so. I overheard uh, the story of uh, its origins. It was actually created um, when the Henson Workshop. Uh, was at a previous location at a townhouse, uh, but it was not actually finished before they moved out of that space. Um, so it was meant to be the reception desk there, but since there was so much detail and love going into it, it never actually got used there. Uh, however, they brought it along with them to the larger New York workshop, which was actually customized for their use when they moved in. So they got it to say, you know, what all their uh, floor layout was, what rooms were, etc., and this desk was given pride of place in the entrance. Yes, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's it's yeah yeah it's amazing. Yeah, just a kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity to um yeah had the opportunity to um to actually be inside the Jim Henson Company in, in New York. Totally, totally. Yeah, half of us at least were just smiling the whole way through. So <laughs> yeah, I think we all were. Yeah, well, so some were hiding it better than others. I, I definitely oh. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess we'll, we'll move on to the um, what yeah, what this whole show is about the uh, Dark Crystal uh, fan event, and um, I guess I guess we'll, we'll start off talking about I guess the event itself. Um, just the whole you know how it all went, and um, I guess the first question was um, like it was a sold out show. So what was like, I guess the atmosphere of the event with you know so many people that in this one place at this one time? Um, you know for something that we all love and have a passion for with the, the Dark Crystal? Uh, I have an image in my head I'd like to share. Um, yeah. 
uh, just very briefly, <laughs> have you ever seen uh, a row of kids waiting for the school bus to go to a toy factory? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting on the bench, bouncing up and down, vibrating with energy. That yeah. that was pretty much everybody in the auditorium. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, and then Peter, I know, will have his own um, version of this story. But at the very end of the workshop tour, Cheryl Hensley came up to me and she said... Joey, I am going to bring something that I want you to wear <laughs> at, the, at the at the fan fest tomorrow, and I was like, okay. And she said, it's my father, it's my father's vest, and I think it might fit you. And I'm thinking, I've never, I've never had a vest fit me ever. I'm I'm pretty short, pretty small, and I was like, all right, Cheryl, if you want to bring that, maybe that will work. <laughs> but I'm not sure. And she was really, really adamant about it. Yeah. And so as people were kind of coming into the theater and finding their seats and getting all excited and talking amongst themselves, meanwhile, Cheryl is like, she has this this beautiful vest that she's she's basically, she tried on me, it was too big, and then she was going from kind of from person to person just, <laughs> you know, yeah. as the crowds were coming into the theater, she was going from person to person trying to find somebody to wear this vest, <laughs> and it eventually ended up on Peter. Yeah. <laughs> It was actually, I, I didn't see her trying it on anybody else. Uh, okay. I was, you know, too focused on just, wow, I'm actually here. Yes. And <laughs> so Cheryl Henson came up to me and goes, um, can I try this vest on you? I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and tried it on. And she said, oh, it fits perfectly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I said, oh, okay, that's lovely. What is it? And she said that it's my father Jim Henson's vest that he had made for the filming of The Dark Crystal. Wow. And you can wear it this evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the blood drains that. from Peter's face. <laughs> yeah, there's a few photos of me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. And the designs on it were amazing. It was made of suede. Okay. Uh, okay. And it was just unbelievable. And I just yeah. couldn't believe that I was allowed to wear that. Uh, kind of like the Cinderella, you know, you're the, yeah, the slipper fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Possibly say no to that. You couldn't. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I couldn't really say anything. I just sort of babbled. <laughs> thank you, thank so you. Happy. I think I'm sad. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I sat very straight in my seat for the rest of the evening, so I didn't ruffle it or you know spill anything on it or anything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah that was truly a, a fantastic, unique, once in a lifetime honor. I, I was thrilled. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe that's just a good snapshot of kind of how it was, because I mean, a lot of times when you go to a theater, you know, you get your ticket. You maybe hang out with the people that you went to the film with and then you sit down in your seat and then you wait for the film to start. And it's kind of a behind the scenes and then, you know, in the audience type of thing. And with this fan festival, I mean, I mean, Cheryl was, you know, weaving in and out of people and the crowds were, you know, mingling and the fans were all there. And and it was definitely a a community event. Yeah, Um, completely. Definitely. I totally agree there, Joy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely right on when it comes to yeah a community event. Um, because I mean, with Cheryl Hansen, um, you know, she she got up on stage, um, and really talked a lot about um the you know with the Dark Crystal website being a uh, a somewhat you know like a community group, uh, for people to to share you know, um, their stories or posts or you know anything about the Dark Crystal. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned that, Philip. Um. If I can jump in here, I yeah, sure. uh, yeah, I was part of the author quest 
And uh, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, that uh, over, well, almost 500 entries were submitted for that. Um, the deadline was uh, the end of 2013. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> I actually made it into the uh, editor's choice, the top 25, and of course, so did yeah. Joey. Uh, who went on to win the contest. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, but uh, as part of that, um, what the forums allowed us to do is to um, come together during the writing of uh, those stories as well as afterwards. Uh, and there are several links on there, some threads, uh, where those stories are shared, including one that I've started. Okay. Uh, and there are numerous stories up there. In fact, uh, I believe one entry is almost 50,000 words. Wow. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so unbelievable that people would just share that with everyone. And again, community is completely what the site is about. Definitely, yes. yeah. Yeah, it, and it's very, like the the website itself is just, um, you know, fantastic with just how just how many resources and information that there is um, about the Dark Crystal that I, I recall, um, well, thank you to uh, Melissa for actually um, recording um, some material, you know, some of the... Uh, uh, talks on stage um by the way so thanks melissa oh thank you melissa i forgot to that yes, myself <laughs> um thank you so much for joining us tonight um we are our first puppets on film festival four years ago we premiered um we started kicked off with the dark crystal with our special guest brian and wendy brown and we're so happy to have them back tonight as part of the dark crystal fan fest which means that we are reaching out to our fans um, through a new thing that we put together called thedarkcrystal.com and reached out to do uh, all kinds of cool things. We did a great author quest to find the author for a new young adult novel. Um, we put out, after the Jim Henson Creature Shop Challenge was on Sci-Fi Challenge, we suddenly decided to do a creature competition for creatures that might appear in a Dark Crystal thing. It was so much fun. We had the winners of those two competitions here with us tonight, as well as some of the balance wow. runners up, and so we're really happy to have this community coming together, meeting each other, um, sharing the vibe. Right? We also tonight have some wonderful people who work on the original film, not just Brian and Wendy Froud. Um, we have Tom McLaughlin, who is the foam genius. Now, a lot of people don't realize how important the, the foam uh, uh, formulas were and how innovative they were. And without those foams, you could not have created the skins that it took to make these creatures. Um, we also have Robbie Barnett. Is Robbie here? Well, he will be here. He's one of the original uh, Lance Driders and the Fix. And uh, Kathy Mullen, who played uh, Kira, will be with us a little later. So it's not just the film. We're also going to talk about the film as inspiration. And we, uh, before we show the actual screening, we'll be showing Toby Crowd's film. Toby is the son of Brian and Wendy Crowd, and we're very, very happy to have him here with us tonight with this fabulous new film, which will also be showing as part of um, the puppet shorts on Sunday, and we'll also be a featured artist in tomorrow's Handmade Puppet Dream Symposium on the Art of Making Puppet Films. So we have all kinds of great stuff 
been talking about uh, inspiration. If you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about the making of Dark Crystal, you can go to darkcrystal.com. You can go to the next slide, which is on making. You see, you have all these great photographs, and if you scroll through, they, this one doesn't scroll. If you go online, you can a picture of Raleigh Crewson, who's up here who created this gig, right behind us, and Tim Clark, who might be with us. Great. Tim Clark, right here. Um, and it's a photo of the two together, um, and they're and Tim also sculpted mystics and many other things. Yeah. So it was a really fantastic project to work on, and what we want to do is start to put on the share some of that um, chance that we have for the project with Next Generation. So we just launched this a year ago, I guess, and my sister Lisa, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this is Lisa's been working very hard on creating Power of the Dark Crystal, a sequel to Dark Crystal. She kind of worked very hard on an animated series of Dark Crystal. They Brian joined them for a weekend of creating a, what is the canon of the Dark Crystal, so that everything would stay consistent. So as you create new movies, new television, whatever, it all stays consistent. Those projects were not able to be financed, or at least not yet. Um, they're not financed, and they have all this wonderful material. And they said, well, let's make this available. If we put out you know, the full canon of what is the Dark Crystal and what happens in that world. And so two of the women in the LA office, um, uh, Anna Jordan and Marianne Pippen, got together and did a fantastic job of culling all of this information. And so we were, talk we were talking about this website, and Lisa started talking to Penguin Publishing. And Penguin Publishing, we have some of our Penguin friends here today, tonight. Um, we're interested in doing a prequel, young adult novel, for of Dark Crystal. And as they started talking about well, what authors should they work with, uh, they had the idea of actually putting it out there as a contest. Because there's some fantastic, fantastic writers out there who don't get a chance to get published. And so we put out the word, we announced an offer request. Um, got 500, 500, 10,000 word submissions. That was fantastic. Maybe not all of them were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of lucky because the good people were willing to actually go through those 500 and select the top 25. And Wendy, Proud, and my sister Lisa and I joined Lori Bird and um, Rob Bellois and Francesco um, to read these 25. And I'd like to say that six of those authors, actually seven of those authors, are here with us tonight. So thank you so much. But yeah, I mean, she did mention um, what Cheryl Henson mentioned about um, that that they created this this canon of the Dark Crystal, which sort of took place um, over a weekend, um, where you know sort of talked about um, yeah about the whole canon and how that was um, uh, sort of how that sort of I guess 
because of with the you know when they had a lot of projects that were in, in development like an animated series and and the sequel as well and you know due to lack of funding that hasn't came to be and i guess it's fantastic of them that because they had this wealth of information that um they really decided you know you know we won't really want to let you know fans really know the deep mythology of the dark crystal so i think hats off to them for you know to going on to, to do that to make that possible absolutely absolutely yeah. and um I actually managed through serendipitous means to find a copy of uh, the World of the Dark Crystal. Oh, and, and if yes, sorry. Yeah, there you go, Joey. Joey knows exactly what I'm yeah. talking about. What <laughs> is? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that book uh, is there's a substantial amount of information from that book on the website. Mm. Um, yes. I was surprised and thrilled to see how much was freely available if you don't have access to that particular. Uh, book as a resource so it's kind of difficult to find you have to special order it um for anybody who isn't aware of this it's a it's a large hardcover beautifully illustrated kind of visual guide to the dark crystal and it has some really amazing not, not just you know it has a lot of text as well some information but it also has these really cool um like uh, overlay type pages inside where you can see um, some of the geometric patterns that Brian Froud constructed overlaid on top of various um, like scene stills from the film and you can see how intricate and well thought out and planned the entire set was it's it's as as a book goes it's very amazing and then of course the content in it is really amazing as well yeah it's just just how detailed the the world and the film really is that um you know jim henson and all the team really put to make uh, the world of throw really almost believable in that respect well, it is believable. I, I have to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> it is believable. <laughs> that amount of detail, there's a fine line that it doesn't make any difference, uh, at least in my mind. Um, one thing to mention, though, and that uh, Cheryl Henson, Henson did mention several times, is that uh, the world of the Dark Crystal, the, of the film, was created first. And then the film uh, story was adapted to everything that had been created, the mythology, the history, the yes. creatures. And that's extraordinarily rare uh, for any project uh, of that magnitude to go from one direction to the other. Usually it's, oh, let's create a story. You know, authors know that. Uh, and we'll work everything else from there. Um, yeah, so Joey, um, you had an opportunity to, um, to read um, a, a part of the manuscript, a, a ballad. Um, would you like to go into detail about what, um, what the selection that you um, did on stage, what, what was it all about? Sure. So um, they asked if I would just take a, a brief excerpt um, out of the manuscript to share. And I am still, we're still in the draft pro, pro, um, like um, portion of this project. And so I didn't want to pick anything that might change later on, um, just in case, you know, I don't want to like say like, here, there's a bit that you can, you know, hold on to. And then later that doesn't even, you know, whatever, show up in the final manuscript. So I picked a, um, it's sort of a, it's a song that one of the characters tells around a campfire um, to a, a small group of Gelfling and pod people. And um, it is all in rhyme. It's in verse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I originally picked it out, I was like, this is great. It's, you know, 
is just the right length and it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It can exist outside of the context of the story just in case, you know, whatever. Um, and then after I selected it and I had sent it to everybody and they all approved it, I realized that it was because it was a song also had to be sort of a dramatic reading. It wasn't just a, you know, I'm going to read 500 words out of the manuscript. This is actually going to be a performance piece. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Um, but I, I think it went well. Everybody said that it sounded great and, um, it's a, it's kind of a, uh, it's a song about um, Jara Jen, who is uh, sort of this Gelfling hero folk tale character that um, um, I believe there's a story about him in one of the. Yeah, I believe it's, I believe it's in the, uh, in the first volume. I, I actually had a quick read of it on uh, yesterday. Um, I think myth, it's, right? yeah, yeah. Creation Myths volume one. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a tale about him, you know, and he's kind of that Gelfling folk hero who solves problems and, um, with cleverness, you know, and wit. And, uh, he kind of, he kind of underscores what the Gelfling value in terms of heroism. And, um, the particular song that I wrote for this story is about Jara Jen and his encounter with the hunter, who is a character that was created, um, or at least introduced on the darkcrystal.com encyclopedia. So, um, that was kind of, I wanted to pull in, you know, some of the new stuff and then, and, and just kind of, plus, you know, the Dark Crystal, at least the Gelflings are all about telling songs and that's, that's what they do. I really perceive that they have a very oral history about how they kind of, you know, go about their cultural, um, whatever, you know, like the way that they, they transfer stories. Um, and so I really wanted to have a song in there. And so that was kind of a natural choice and that was the selection I Red. From Penguin to introduce our winner. Thank you. Chilly, the days short and shy, 
the brothers scarce seen all three in the sky. Now traveling by foot through the dark wood alone, making way through the bramble to Renhall, his home, their footsteps fall firmly as he fasts through the fang. Lightning born, Gelfling hero, our brave Jarajen. Now, Jarajen by the Skexis was truly adored, and this eve he was laden with gifts from the lords. Thanks for telling them tales of his travels abroad, from Harar to the north, all the way south to south. Now, the three sisters rising, two bold and one meek, lit the way for our hero as he reached the Black Creek. But the cold wind died still, and he heard in the dim, hungry breathing from his head through pointy tooth gray. Jarajen, yet he turned and he peered through the dark to see riding black shadows in the, triangle, the tangled tree bark. And out of the night covered two burning eyes, a wicked horned mask was the hunter's disguise. Now, the hunter he laughed, the hook beaded smile, picking his teeth with a bone all the while. He steps closer and closer, stars shine in his face. Jarajen crouches ready, now the hunter gives chase. Now, the darkwood Jarajen takes flight. It was not in his plans to be dinner tonight. And the hunter's sharp maw snapping close at his heel, snatching with claws, bent to make him his meal. Now to the high hills of darkwood they fly, Jarajen thinking fast of an incline to climb. Now his toes at the edge of the cliff into black, seeing nothing below him, he panting looks back. Now the hunter waits behind him. Jarajen, he looks before him. Knowing not what lies below him, he looks to the stars above him. Now holding his breath, Jarajen drops his pack, and quickly, before the dark hunter attacks, he handfuls of treasure and gifts from the Lord, flings over his shoulder and into the gorge. Now his bag has run empty, and the hunter comes forth. Jarajen, his ears straining, now prays for his word. Eyes closing, mouth smiling, I've heard you, he breathes. Now jumping backward into freefall, he leaps. Splash! Up ahead now above him, the hunter cries, No, Jarajen, yeah, he cheers up from far down below, drifting on the safe waters for which he prayed, where he heard treasure falling on calm river waves. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I guess, um, Joey, what, what was, um, did you get much, uh, you know, uh, responses or, or th- feedback from the audiences um, with your um, ballad songs? Uh, people were just extremely positive, really. Um, people just were really happy about it. And I think, I think it's kind of the first time that some, and this is like, I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but kind of in retrospect, I realized that this is the first time that I guess what will be canonical dark crystal material has come out in in a really long time you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean um yeah. i'm glad i didn't think about that before <laughs> or i was <laughs> completely overwhelmed yeah. um but yeah everybody was so positive they just came up to me afterwards and shook my hand and said congratulations and great reading and we can't wait to read the rest of it so it was it was great as a as an audience member, I can also say that after we all stopped cheering and clapping like maniacs, uh, <laughs> it was a feeling of amazing, amazing time. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Is that Someone's me? Friend. Is that you, Melissa? No, no, that wasn't me. What was that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, it, it well, doesn't... apparently we have a fourth... On the line, <laughs> I, I would agree. 
I mean, clapping like crazy. I mean, one, because it's a fellow fan group member and also because just really proud that, you know, this is the person that won the contest and is producing this, you know, brilliant bit of writing, but also because it's surviving the, the fandom, like what they're doing with the website, what they're doing with these contests. I mean, we see it in the fan group that we're growing stronger every day, numbers wise. Like it kind of rekindled the love for me too, that, you know, getting into the sculpture contest personally, it got me watching the movie again. And it also got me into sculpting again. And, you know, it's definitely reignited my hunger for more of that dark crystal cannon. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, um, Melissa. Um, I think for myself, um, I sort of got reignited uh, probably about a couple of years ago. Um, is when I when I you know you know saw the film as a kid, you know, sort of grew up with it, and whatnot. Then it sort of faded away. But it wasn't until I, I visited a um, uh, kind of like an antique packing house store, and they had a section that's just dedicated to movie, TV, and movie memorabilia. Majority of it is all movie posters. And, and this, and then I saw, um, having to come across a poster, which was the dark crystal, the, um, the Amcel, um, illustration poster. And I saw that. I'm just like, I had to get it. <laughs> so I had to, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. I, I, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> uh, and that was, and it was, um, yeah, a US, um, it's a US original print. And, um, yeah, so I, I bought that, um, and, you know, I couldn't, you know, I ended up getting it, um, mounted on i don't know wood backing that sort of thing i couldn't couldn't afford a you know a proper frame frame just because the poster was so humongous i think because it was a custom size (laughs) uh compared to the australian poster sizes that it would just would have been i think it was almost just as expensive getting it framed than getting the actual poster so uh, (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean and from that that's sort of when i was sort of like you know i watched the film and then i really you know wanted to know if there was more about the dark crystal and then, you know, came across the, 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 uh, world of the dark crystal as well as, um, I think the, um, uh, the legends of the dark crystal that sort of came out a couple of years after and the creation myths and all that sort of really, um, yeah, re-energized my fandom, uh, for the dark crystal. And yeah, I'm just as excited now more than ever about, um, what the future holds, especially, you know, with Joey's, with, with your, um, uh, upcoming novel and um and and uh, well we're still waiting for um the third volume of uh the uh, creation myths which is due to be released uh next year so yeah so I-, I think we've got a lot to to look forward to yes absolutely yeah so brian winnie and and toby frowder were, were there they were on stage and um i know brand new uh brian and wendy they uh they did a talk on stage so we'll just play that clip right now now, I know that you all really want to hear from Brian and Wendy Brown. And Brian and Wendy are here with us tonight. They have been promoting a fantastic new book of fairies. Beautiful, beautiful, expanding on the world crowd. And um, we are so lucky that they're doing this promotional tour because it means that they're able to be here with us tonight. So I'd like to invite Brian Wayne to come up and talk a little bit about the original creation of this film and what it was like 36 years ago to come together with this creative team and make a film unlike any other film that had ever been made. Yeah, well, thank you very much for that applause. Um, it brings me in mind, um, way back, in about 1860, there were a group of... 
English actors who wanted to bring Shakespeare and culture to America. So they came and they were performing the Shakespeare and they had a terrible time. Everybody hated it and they finally fetched up in this small town in the Midwest. And when they finished, everybody applauded. And um, the manager said, quick, I think Shakespeare's still alive. You, you, you put a tablet on a rough, get out there, say thank you. He went out and they shot him. Oh. So, thank you very much. Genuine. be genuine. We were, we were both uh, very lucky to begin working on the film at the same time. We were two of the very first people, Brian, the very first person. You should talk about how Jim found you. Yeah, Jim had seen something of my work. Um, there was some debate about exactly what it was, but um, we think one of the original images he saw was my cover to a book of English illustration that was very rapidly followed by a book um, called The Land of Proud. So he, he, there's something in it that he thought, thought might be suitable for the film that he had in his head and developing it. But when he actually came and visited, I live in the, and we both live in the same place. So, uh, <laughs> well, now I recognize you. <laughs> But he fell in love with the landscape and the feeling and the history of the place and uh, he was also looking around at the spirituality of England. He travelled around and went to various places and he wanted that sort of feeling in, in the film. And so um, he invited me to New York and that's when we first met and um, I was just busy drawing in sketchbooks. Um, lots of really tiny, tiny things. I don't know why they were quite so small. And it's, it's quite astonishing to see them now on a big screen, how they translated from this small thing. And there was uh, Jim and Frank and about, what, I There were six of us to be in. Not many of us all sitting around um, just talking about what the characters might be. And well, I, I blame Frank and uh, Jim for encouraging me to draw these these terrible creatures because they kept saying, make it worse, make it worse. I was, I was hired to do the pretty ones from the beginning. I was hired to do the appearance. So. Yeah. There from the beginning. But um, it, we were so privileged to be able to work on a project like this because Jim gave us so much freedom. We didn't know at the beginning how we would make these puppets. We had absolutely no idea of how we would bring them to life. We didn't know what kind of... Um, Meaning we would use uh, the Hensons and the Muppets weren't used to using uh, foam latex. Nobody had done that for puppets. And nobody had put mechanics in them to the extent that we were going to be using. And it was just amazing, really, to have the freedom to experiment as much as we needed to. And we really did need to experiment to be able to bring what you see in the film, in the detail that you see it, that's us being able to experiment and finding exactly the best things to use, the best fabrics, the best fur, the best whatever we used. We really uh, had a wonderful time discovering it. I, I really hate that. It was an extraordinary thing to work with Jim Henson. It was just an, an absolute privilege to do that. And, but he was, um, you followed, he was a leader, and he would say, let's, well, the thing I remember most about him is saying, well, let's do it. There were no barriers. Uh, for Jim. He was always wanting to push things forward and he said, well, let's just 
try it or let's do it or let's find out about this technology. And so indeed we were pioneering. We didn't know quite what scale everything was going to be. We tried things out. And I think that's the, the strength of it is that we found out by experiment in the, in the early days. And, um, and in a sense, there was uh, some luck was with us because we couldn't immediately do the film. You know, there were other things to do that gave us more time to find out. Um, well, I think that's when it has the integrity that it has. Mm. And, and, and to this day, it's quite extraordinary, is that when people see it, especially people in the digital age, they look at it and say, I don't quite understand what I'm looking at. And I say, what you're looking at is real. Think about it, it's absolutely real. And that's the thing that really shines through. I know people don't believe that it was all done in real time. And done, you know, with five or six puppeteers under each character. You've never, you've never considered that looking at most of the things you see today. Yeah. And so if you want to inspiration, one of the things that, uh, having said that, you know, that my landscape, my personal landscape, and forms the film, actually there was once, um, after we were showing the film, somebody said, why does Dark Crystal look like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> and I had to think about it, and I realized that Alan Lee, uh, who won the Oscar for designing it, we, we first of all shared a house together, but we lived in the same, and we do live in the same environment. So it informed um, our art, and that shows, shows up on the, on, on the screen. But having moved out of the country and ending up in New York, I was looking for nature. And I, <laughs> I Central Park in those days was really quite frenetic. I was hoping for more Mary Poppins feel to it, but it was not quite like that with being a great, great ghetto blast, blasters and all that. So I found solace in lobster dinners. <laughs> and in the lobster dinners, I would save the shells and bring them back into the workshops. And you can see a lot of lobster dinner. <laughs> there was a guy that said to him you know why you know this looks almost exactly like lord of the rings and was revealed that it was um i think um alan lee and and for those that don't know alan lee um he worked on he did a lot of the illustrations for tolkien's um books with the lord of the rings um in particular um and he's also the uh the conceptual uh designer uh one half with um with john howe on the lord of the rings films as well as well as the uh the hobbit films as well um so yeah, I thought yeah, it was kind of interesting, you know, comparisons, I, I guess, in that respect. Darkcrystal.com will help to inspire people to create their own creatures, and we, our next competition is going to be a video competition, if anybody wants to make a little video and submit it. Um, and in talking about inspiration and how the, it moves forward into the future, I want to have Brian and Wendy introduce their son, Toby. <laughs> Uh-huh. We're just amazed and just, we love the fact that the film has touched so many people, the people who've grown up with it, but it's also touched so many people creatively and that they want to uh, go on and, and make this their life as well, working you know, within the industry or working by themselves as craftspeople or artists. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear how many people say, this film really influenced me. And it not only influenced 
um, you, but it influenced our son, Toby, who, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, right. Well, we'd rather hope we put him off uh, by, by throwing him in, literally in the middle of a load of goblins in Labyrinth. But it didn't work, unfortunately. <laughs> it did the reverse psychology, I suppose. <laughs> Inspired him more. So we're absolutely, really just so pleased with, uh, with his talent. I always say what I, what I like about Toby's talent is I don't have to be polite to him. <laughs> I can genuinely talk to him as a fellow artist. And that's the great conversations that we often have about art and what, what he does. And indeed, um, what, we, what we weren't really prepared for is that he went straight for the a continuation of the feel of Dark Crystal. Um, I think when we did, did Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, we sort of thought we were going to make more of those. Um, but technology rather took, a, took over. And it's raced ahead. And I think uh, in the racing ahead, it's left certain things behind. And I think Toby is uh, rescuing that. And so we're really happy to uh, see, see his work. This was an amazing project to do, and it was. Uh, I grew up as much a fan as of Dark Crystal and, and Labyrinth uh, as, as as so many of you, and uh, it was not only living as part of it, but being just such an amazing thing to have grown up and, and seen and experienced, and just um, it it uh, inspired me my whole life. So it was an honor to to actually be able to, you know, talk to Heather Henson and uh, to come in and, and discuss, well, let's do a short film. And so I, I went off and found an amazing team of, of people who were like-minded and felt the same way, that we wanted to do something that was creative and fun and interesting, but also um, using old traditional techniques of puppetry and doing as much as in-camera work as possible. That's the whole idea, um, to keep that sort of feeling going. And it's hopefully been a success so far. So people have loved it, who have seen it, and continue to want to see it. And I hope it continues, and I hope to do much, much more in the future. So, um, uh, yeah, in honor of Jim, in honor of puppetry, and in honor of everyone who is inspired by fantasy that, that we all love to create. So then, uh, after that, um, the the short film uh, "Lessons Learned" uh, played, I think, which was its first, I think, screening in in New York. Um, uh, Melissa, what was what was your thoughts on the film? Um, you know, when it was played and, and all that kind of experience. Um, looking at it, I just I couldn't get over the fact that the way that the characters looked and even the way that they moved, it just it looked so both Dark Crystal and Muppets to me. Um, and it really made me happy to see that in Toby's work because, you know, he's the one who's going to be continuing to carry the torch for his parents. And it's just I guess it makes me happy to see that the craft of puppetry is being continued in that level of skill. Yes. And uh, I was completely 
enthralled with the puppetry. Uh, they, they just drew you right in. You completely forgot, just like any good puppet, that they were not people. So it was just, wow, and this is going on, and this is happening, and oh, that's a complete believability. You know, you were drawn right in. Yeah, no, it's something I'll definitely look forward to um, to seeing if it ever uh, gets a screening in, in Australia. So, um, With that, we actually, um, when we were on the tour ever so briefly this afternoon, at part of that, um, we were in uh, one particular room where there was a Muppet um, who was, uh, I believe, it was the dye room. And uh, they were, you know, dyeing their, the Muppets fur gray. And uh, we had a beautiful example of puppetry from Cheryl Henson. Uh, she picked up the Muppet, uh, who looked like a cross between a coyote and Oscar the Grouch. And yeah. <laughs> uh, for about 30 seconds, she made him live on her arm. Just the, the complete natural movements that she had with her arm. Uh, it was beautiful to see. Can I just, I wanted to jump in really quick. There, there are some photos actually of Nim, which is one of the, the creature contest oh, entries. Yes. Um, and actually, I didn't realize when um, Nim's creators were kind of talking about her that she was a, she's actually like a functional puppet. And they actually, at the, the post-film reception, had were, were um, brought her to life. And it, it was one of those things where, you, you know, she's like in a box like, uh, you know, a stand, and then suddenly, you know, you're like, oh, my God, you can actually, what? <laughs> this person has just come alive. It's very, very weird. Oh, Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the biggest problem, was um, the, the post 
the event. Post the event, of course, of the film, um, it makes life a bit easier in, in a sense. And what we were, what we admired was the, the people that took the spirit of it and ran with it. That was great. Um, there were certain things that I really liked um, that I would have liked to have chosen, um, but we couldn't really because they were more like if we were making the film then and these things are shown up, Jim you know, would have said, this is great, how can we turn this into a creature? How do we get that into the movie? So there was actually quite a lot of stuff that was really inspiring, was you know, absolutely correct in its, in its desire um, to create something visually uh, impactful and, and wonderful. So it was really a tough gig to judge this. <laughs> yes, we, we had, had to negotiate a bit because we all had very different opinions. Um, but if we go on darkcrystal.com in the share section, you can see lots of, lots of the range of marvelous. And this, this one is a Skeksis. Uh, it's much closer to the existing Skeksis that you see in the film, but he still has a unique and new personality. And this is nice. He's a, this Frank is an art teacher, and he goes together with his son.
enjoyed them as well. Everybody did. Um, yeah, she's made of wool, a lot of wet felting and needle felting, which I'll actually pass this over to Melissa because she is the amazing needle felting sculptor. Hang on. Hello. Uh, yes, uh, we um, entered NIM as basically a full fiber sculpture, hoping that she would catch the attention of the judges because um, she's unique. Um, she has been felted, like uh, Nikki said, out of wool. So I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with that process, but it's a very slow, tedious um, process done with a tiny needle. And um, we think that that gave her some extra personality and uh, texture, for sure. So we hope you enjoy her. We love one because it's a rock. Angeles is a nature, started as a nature sculptor, and he particularly loved this one. This one we just found really emotionally moving. There's something about it that's very still, and although it looks simple, when you start really looking at it, it isn't simple at all. It's, it's beautifully crafted, and just very strange. You really feel it belonged to the world that you hadn't quite seen it in the film, that it was hiding behind some you know, robe or, or whatever, and so we, we were getting impressed with it. And here is our winner, He has a beautiful story, really interesting story that Jeff wrote about him. And I love the fact that he is so believable. He's, he's set in this natural environment, and you just believe that he can just jump around. And he's got the feathers and the fur and the skin, and it's just so cool. Jeff, here, here's Jeff. <laughs> I didn't start the contest until a week before the deadline. Oh. I, I had moved, so I tried to scramble and get it with the other. I, during the whole time, though, I did have ideas in my head. Um, eventually, I, I wanted to do the wings. It's kind of like a ladybug thing. It was also this character as a messenger that uh, traveled between Delphine clans. So I wanted him to be able to, you know, be able to get over and fly. Um, and then also you know, the feathers and the whiskers and everything kind of that. Give it almost. It's, it's a mammal, yet it's, it's avian and, and also like a bug. So I kind of wanted to put all those, all those things together. Hope that it fit into the, the world. I, I guess that was the thing um, with um, Cheryl. Cheryl, uh, she went through, you know, some of the, um, the creature designs. And um, when I was listening to it, um, there was a lot of, you know, oohs and ahs and really yeah interesting reactions um you know for people that you know seeing these different um designs that were um you know that people submitted um which is just you know amazing to to sort of have that reaction um and of course um jeff brown uh who who won the creative creature contest he was on 
on stage as well. And, um, and he talked a little bit about, um, his creation. Um, Melissa, would you like to go into detail about how, um, how, how, how he came across the contest and how he, um, sort of some part of the process that he went towards, uh, making his, uh, creature? Uh, what I found particularly amazing was he said that he only uh, had about a week uh, worth of time to put that together. Um, and just, like, having worked on the creature contest also, like, I know that that's not a whole lot of time to be able to, to deliver something. Um, especially something with, like, so much going on as far as detail and backstory. Um, but he said he actually started with the story. Um, so I think that that part is probably part of what he did that like gave him an edge was that he really thought about how his creature would work, would fit into the world of the Dark Crystal and also just really develop it story-wise. I, I guess let, let, let's just talk about the film itself. Um, like for yourself, Melissa, um, as well as you know Peter and, and Joey, um, was this your first time uh, seeing the Dark Crystal on the big screen, or? Yeah, it was. I was uh, I was too young when it came out um, in the eighties. I was actually born in seventy nine, um, so I'd only ever seen it like at home, um, like on VHS tape, and then on DVD more recently. Um, and I actually brought somebody with me who had never seen it before. Um, and I just kept on stealing glances at my friend and just seeing like this completely wrapped expression on her face. Um, she is someone who loves fairies and, uh, she had never, ever heard or encountered the film before. And, um, I, she just absolutely loved it. So it's kind of like I got to vicariously see it for the first time through her. And that was really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually curious. Um, yeah. If, um, if there were any in the audience that have never seen, the dark crystal before so it, i think it's great to yeah to hear that um there are, you know you brought along someone that um yeah who was sort of very fresh um didn't knew nothing about it so um and all that and and what about yourself um uh peter was it your first time seeing it on a big screen uh no it wasn't i actually uh, i yeah. was lucky enough to see it in the theater when it came out yeah in 82 uh, yeah yeah, in '82. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was, you know, the the nine year old boy. Yeah. Uh, so that was it. Was transporting, um, just to be able to sit back and go, "Wow, that's exactly what I remember." And then I was gone, <laughs> back right into the memories. Mm-hmm. So like, oh my goodness, because it's not the same. Just seeing it on a even a you know a big screen TV, not the same experience. Your mind knows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, those feelings all came back. The, just the the wonder of being transported into the screen to a completely different world. It, it was I- indescribable. I was just saying, uh, it was really neat how Cheryl pointed out some of the people that were in the crowd that had worked on the film. Um, like uh, Tim Clark was there, and uh, Lisa Maxwell. Um, and afterwards, I was actually able to run down Tim Clark and, and shake his hand and tell him that I thought that he had done an amazing job, too, on the film. Um, but uh, after that, I, I wasn't able to find anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was, so, yeah, in a way, it was sort of became like a little bit of a, of a re- reunion of sorts, um, you know, for the fans, you know, seeing it, you know, again, but also for, yeah, the some of the crew that were on, on the film itself, so... Uh, which is fantastic yeah and um i guess joey because you've um you've probably been watching it quite a number of times you know don't you know with your with the whole manuscript 
um, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, um, what was sort of, um, uh, you know, seeing, a, seeing on the big screen, like, do you, do you find something new or different, you know, from like, you know, from each kind of viewing that you have sometimes or. Um, yeah. When I watch films, I just, the, the sound, um, is a huge part for me and, and, ha- and being able to hear it in the theater was really, really amazing. Even, um, I remember Peter on the very first podcast, we were talking about that scene where Jen first enters, um, the observatory for the first time. And it was just as amazing, um, on the big screen, but the sound, the sound effects made it seem even, you know, that much more, um, amazing really. And, uh, so that was fun. And then I was sitting also kind of the way Melissa was talking about us. I think some of the, the people that had come from, um, Penguin might not have seen it before ever. <laughs> they were there um, to support <laughs> Rob and me. And so I, I had a chance to kind of watch them um, see it for the first time, which is always, especially yeah. as an adult. Yeah. I think when you when you watch it as a child for the first time, you're you're a little bit more willing to be mm. like, oh, yeah, you know, like this is this is a movie, whatever. And but as an adult, I think your brain tries yeah. to. Well, I mean, maybe for the uninitiated, right? That you try to make sense of it in terms of what you've seen that's like it before, and yeah. you can, especially when you watch an adult try to watch this movie, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> for the first time there's just something kind of fun and funny about it because there's just parts where you can see that, like especially like uh, you know the scene where they 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 exile the Chamberlain or even the scene where they're like draining the essence from the podling for the first time where you're just like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and so that, that was fun for me. Oh, there was kind of, there was one more thing actually that I just remembered that I wanted to share. And I don't know if Peter and Melissa, if you felt this way too, but I've never watched this film with that many other people. And so it was really interesting to me to see what the laugh moments were because when you're in a theater you know, someone tells a joke and everybody laughs. And there's like scenes where you expect people to laugh. Like, you know, the scene where Kira's wings come out and she's like, well, you don't have wings. You're a boy. Everybody laughs. Big, big laugh moment. Right. But like, then there's moments where there's the scene after, um, um, one of the, the mystics dies. Like he just disappears because his Skeks, his counterpart has, you know, fallen into the, um, the pit. And so then it goes to the shot of the mystics walking across the field and one of the mystics disappears and people like laughed. There. <laughs> it, was, yeah. I, it was a really weird <laughs> moment where more than one people person was like, that was funny. Yeah. I don't know. It was sort of strange. I think it was a surprise laugh. Yeah, I think so yeah. too. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was definitely interesting to see kind of that everybody was anticipating the same moments and, you know, kind of laughing even in advance of some of the, the funny parts. Um, people would start to kind of giggle to themselves a little bit before, but watching it as a, such a large group was really fun from that aspect, I thought. I, I got to laugh at the moment where Fizz Geek first comes out and scares Jen and he falls back. Um, yeah. Mostly I was watching my friend and I had to see her jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and that's the thing, like, especially with that scene, like, you know, like I've seen the film so many times and I still cannot anticipate when, when Fizzkick is just going to pop out, out there. You know? It's like, it's going to be now. It's like, oh yeah. no, it's already happened. They, should, <laughs> yeah. they could change it from DVD to DVD. So it's like slightly a different amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like, you know, it's, it's all making me look forward to, um, to seeing the dark crystal, um, as well. I know, um, there'll be a screening for it in, in Melbourne, um, at the Astor theatre at the end of, uh, November. So, um, they did do a screening for it, uh, about three or four months ago and, um, and they're screening it again. So, um, so I'll definitely be there, um, you know, uh, and hopefully, you know, do a live, sort of do like a, a recording of the show from the Astor theater and, and hopefully, yeah, be able to chat to some fans about the film and, and, um, yeah. So something to look, look forward to. The experience of seeing it in the theater with that many people, um, all my life, it's just kind of been this niche movie that not that many people knew about. I would say, Oh, I like this movie. And they'd be like, what movie? Um, yeah. so getting to see it in the theater with, you know, hundreds of other people. I mean, it's one thing to be on Facebook and have the fan group with, you've got the hundreds of other people online, but to actually physically be in a room with them and look around and see people exactly as excited as you are about this movie. That's very dear to your heart was an amazing experience. I agree. Totally. Yes, that is, that is community. And that is energy combined into one big, happy, bouncing fizz gig ball in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Spot on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what it was all about. I mean, uh, again, you know, I I grew up with it. I I very badly that uh, year and the year after wanted to be a Gartham costume (laughs) kid for Halloween. But, yeah, that never really panned out. Um, And uh, all my – yeah, what's that? For Halloween? (laughs) Yeah, there's still time, yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, Actually – that reminds me. I didn't see uh, anybody in costume at the uh, at the fan fest. Maybe I, uh, you know, didn't look in the right places. Um, were there Cheryl. any that you guys spotted? Oh well, except for Cheryl, yes. No, I, I don't think there was a Skeksis. Oh, I heard there was a Skeksis. Yeah, I didn't see him though. Oh, I wish I had been able to get a picture of that. Oh. So maybe somebody somewhere in the fan group has one. I'll uh, I'll see maybe if. Uh, Somebody does, I'll post that up. Or I can always send an email. Uh, perhaps the, the Hensons uh, yeah. took the picture or the Frouds. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I heard uh, someone else was special. wearing Jim Henson's vest. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, uh, that's never going to grow old, really. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> um, one thing I did want to say, I mean, there, there are just a couple points about the, uh, the fest itself, is that... Uh, uh, I, the community, I think that that happiness uh, to find so many people who share the same passion for that vision that uh, Jim Henson created was, it was an incredible dynamic. Um, you felt as though you were surrounded by friends. You know, not mm-hmm. just people who like the same stuff as you, but, you know, wow, you really like this? Yes, I really like it as much as yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> How much do you like it? And uh, I thought it was a slightly different energy as well uh, from, you know, just geeking out over something where you start to compare notes as to, you know, uh, you know, how many megajoules does a phaser battery contain? It was, you know, uh, the the dark crystal isn't like that. Uh, The dark crystal is something that you experience and something that you bring with you after the film is done. Uh, the characters, the story, uh, the world is something that if you, uh, if it touches you that way in terms of uh, a passion, it stays with you. And all these decades later, it's done that for me. Uh, when I read a fantasy book, when I see a fantasy film, 
there's always you know a little gelfling at the the very corner of my mind going, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> mm, I'm not quite sure about that, but man, did we do it well. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's kind of a benchmark, I guess, is what I'm saying. Sure. And uh, that passion has definitely stayed with me. I, I'm very grateful to find that not only has it stayed strong, but that it's just as strong as so many other people, as Melissa mentioned, hundreds of other people in the same theater. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, just like how much, yeah, The Dark Crystal has really um, influenced a lot of filmmakers and, and artists and, yeah, just anyone, you know, that had you know, enjoyed the film, you know, they did something to, you know, pursue their dreams, um, you know, based on their passion um, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm definitely looking forward to, yeah, to the future of what, you know, Dark, the, the Dark Crystal will bring, um, especially with, you know, the upcoming contests. I, I think the one that have got coming up is a, uh, a fan film competition. So um, still waiting for more details about it, but um, yeah, it's, it's something that like, I'm very much looking forward to knowing more. Yeah. And it's something that I'm like, hope, you know, definitely look into um, participating into in, in some capacity. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. More Dark Crystal is never a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I just want to say, yeah, th- thank you so much, um, Joe, Melissa, and um, and Peter for being on, on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. And um, I, I guess, um, Joey, um, how, how can people find you um, uh, about your work and, and anything in general? Uh, I am all over the internet all over it but um, mainly I guess social media um, I'm on Facebook I do updates for my illustration and writing on Facebook at facebook.com slash joeyverse j-o-e-y v-e-r-s-e I'm on Twitter I'm on Tumblr um, but I, th- I think for as, as far as kind of updates on the manuscript goes I've been mostly updating on Facebook so if you want to kind of follow along with the progress on that um, check out Facebook. Uh, that would be my suggestion. And and Melissa, did, um, is there a way the fans um, can you know f- find you as well? Join the Dark Crystal fan group on Facebook. I'm pretty active on there. I'm one of the people that tries to like uh, comment on pretty much everything and tell everyone that I think their post was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about yourself, Peter? Uh, the best way to find me is again through the. Um... Dark Crystal fan group on uh, Facebook. I'm Peter M. E-H-M. Um, you can also find me on uh, the Dark Crystal forums. So there's a couple threads uh, that I've started about the author quest section. So I'm easily reachable there. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Philip. Thank you. You've already taken too long, Delfling. Hurry! At last, the crystal calls. It is time Time to return to the castle. The crystal calls to the crystal chamber. Well, that's all the time I have for this month's Trial by Stone. Big thanks to Joey, Melissa, and Peter for being this month's guests. If you want to contact myself about the show, send me an email at trialbystonepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash trialbystonepodcast or on Twitter at trialbystonepod. If you enjoyed the show and think that others would like it too, 
then write a review on iTunes and help other Dark Crystal fans find out about the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and come back for the next episode of Trial by Stone.